What do yeah, I have here? Oh, okay. There. So, uh, well, I think he would hate Sven, particularly the bear kind bouncer, because he's like he definitely wouldn't wouldn't get let in. And I think he'd be intimidated by Sven because he's like muscular and has a, a big beard and and muscles and uh, tattoos. Mm, no, so I don't buy it. I don't buy, I don't buy it. it. He I would be he, tweeting. He would say oh. he would he would be he would be enraptured by Sven because he's so big. He's a great big guy. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking a Trump B over here. Uh, sorry, Sven, Bergheim's not hot. No, no, no. I think um, number one, uh, I think Trump is definitely strange enough to be let in. Uh, I think he would. I, I think he's he's like always. Look, okay. If you just sort of if you told him that it was only seemly uh, to be seen uh, out in Lower Manhattan uh, in clothes from like UI Studio or whatever. And then he just sort of shambled his way to because the, they always let old guys in. Uh, if he just shambled his way to the front, uh, then he'd, he'd he'd get let in. He'd he'd thanks Ven and he'd say, "Oh, one of the biggest, one of the biggest boys I've ever seen." And look at this line. <laughs> Everyone wants in. Everyone wants in. It's very hot. And then he would go and he'd uh, he'd go into the toilets, and um, you know he'd be. Um, I think it'd be great. He, it's, it's the toilets where he would start to break down because he's a massive germaphobe, right? <laughs> True. He's famously, True. he like, yeah. he would just completely go crazy sort of just, you know, um, watching all of the, the goings on in there. I think that's when he would break down and then it would, you would have to, his brain would have to contend with the fact that like there are lots of very big, very good looking people in there which are good, but that they're all being very, very dirty. It's very, very dirty. Folks, folks, they can't even be in the toilet. They're getting it all over each other, folks. They're getting it all <laughs> over the floor. I think Trump would gravitate to the DJs because he knows like, all right, people pay attention to these guys. And he would just try to ingratiate themselves mm-hmm. to them, like the the like famous DJs, uh, like Jeff Mills. He'd be like, he would just pretend that he was Jeff Mills' best friend in the nineties. Mm-hmm. He's like, I told Jeff, Jeff, you're a wizard, you're a wizard on the boards, Jeff. That's what I call Jeff the Wizard. <laughs> Have you seen Ben Clark? He's one of the handsomest men up on the front right. <laughs> He's one of the handsomest men. He looks like I'm, I made Ben Clark the head admiral of the U.S. Navy. Well, the, the main reason I, I want to imagine this is to imagine if if Trump was president of Germany now, so he would just go in front of the crowd of coal workers, like in East Germany in the Lausitz, and be like, 1990, folks. All right, imagine. I was Trezor. I could have had, had Helen Highland at the love parade, folks. At the love parade. Don't we love the love parade? <laughs> the techno Viking, a very good friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to your weekly corner, Spatey. Uh, it is me, one of your lovely co-hosts, Nick. Uh, oh, no, I'm not Nick. <laughs> Nick is the person who usually says this. God damn it. All right, this is Kieran. I'm Kieran, And I'm with usual Spatey gang of Rob and Nick. Yulia has contact, uh, contracted the coronavirus again. That is why she's not with us. <laughs> um, that's what we do to explain all our absences for this period of time. But we are also joined by the lovely... Riley Quinn of Trash Future Podcast. What's up? How's it going? Uh, and send in your answers to how's it going? Uh, <laughs> yeah, big g- at gmail.com. Yes, big uh, get for us this week. Yes, we are talking to, to Keir Starmer's um, uh, <laughs> chief of staff, who's here to tell us about the exciting things in the UK. Yeah, I'm personally, I'm I'm excited that uh, now the UK Labour Party, along with the US Democratic Party, 
have finally managed to become the world's two preeminent neoliberal parties. <laughs> there are, uh, it seems, in the oh, English-speaking world, stuff. in the English-speaking world, there seem to be, um, it, neoliberalism is literally only alive and well in the nominally left-wing parties as as an, as an establishment, ide- as an ideology at all. So, congratulations, you're losers! <laughs> I don't know if, if if we plan to get into it, but Kieran was just telling us before we started recording, like we started this year with like this retrospective of like the left populist parties of Europe, like Syriza, Podemos, mm. and stuff, and it's like, huh, that didn't really work. But you know, the Labour Party and Bernie Sanders, like that's that's something, right? And now here we are, what? Not even three months later, like, whoops. <laughs> Yeah, that's completely flipped because like Podemos and La France Insoumise have just completely ran with this whole like capitalism is failing thing. We fucking told you. We fucking told you. Um, so that's great. But, I'm yeah. sure it's not going to flip oh, again. I'll, it's going to stay I'll like this the, forever. My, my, my real opinion as to why this is, right, is that yeah. all of these parties, these uh, these parties that either did get Pesachified in... Um, in, in, in mainland Europe, or should have been Pesachified, but just are kept alive by electoral systems that, like, treat geography as significant, like, first past the post of the Electoral College. So, like, Labour and the Democrats have been kept with life support by the fact that new parties can't easily start. Um, hmm. all the, ones, all, the ones in more proportional uh, systems, those aren't parties that got taken over that had internal bureaucracies yeah. and mechanisms and decades and decades of apparatchiks who like saw it as their way to a as as, as either the stepping stone to being a sort of senior spin doctor forever or as a stepping stone to like a profitable PR career like they were actually created specifically for one's for this purpose which is to fight uh fight for a a, a more socialist settlement in the post-financial crisis era, whereas the Democrats and Labour are essentially like um, friend clubs for uh, people with who carried roller backpacks to elementary school, and unfortunately, the immune systems of those parties were able to quash the left populist challenges to their uh, neoliberal settlements. And yeah. so, I, I've long been thinking about this. Right? Then, if you look at the UK UK politics since 2015, or even since 2010. Uh, you almost get a, a laboratory perfect example uh, of an experiment in how to ta- and how mainstream parties can be taken over through uh, entryism, like with Labour, when lots of people joined to vote for Corbyn, or through threat, because essentially UKIP got taken over. Sorry, the Conservatives got taken over by UKIP, like they have yeah. UKIP's. More or less, exa- all their big policies, the conservatives are now doing. That's why UKIP is now just a political party for like YouTube commenters. It's very strange. Um, <laughs> I love uh, gra- uh, was a Grand Plan Purple or something. Yeah, War, War Plan, Plan Purple. Purple, hilarious account. Uh. Um, but like, so what? What? What we tried to do on the left is enter the Labour Party and then like show everyone who was already there, all those you know apparatchiks, uh, that you know it's like, hey, we're we're here now. You know, we're gonna be. We're we're going to be taking things over, and you know, like people like fucking um, uh uh uh, was it now like Chris Leslie or Mike Gapes and so on? We're just there, sort of resisting it at every turn. Whereas, mm. uh, and eventually, like even though they left the party, like their side sort of won. I mean, to to be honest, whether like we keep this break with neoliberalism as the rest of the world is broken with neoliberalism because of circumstance, it all comes down to what Starmer's shadow cabinet p- uh, picks are going to be. They could be good. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I, I'm withholding my actual judgment until I see that. Because, like, they know the 2017 manifesto is a winner. 
but like the world changed a few weeks ago, so who the fuck knows what's going to happen. But um, regardless, back to my topic, um, we, we, we sort of tried to go in and change things and got beaten out. Whereas, yeah. or got beaten out in a way, but you know, maybe the ideas are still there. I mean, Starmer really liked the Green New Deal. Like, let's see what he does. In, the, in UKIP's case, what they did was they threatened the Tories in every single marginal or because the uh, the Tories were always worried that just enough votes would go to UKIP that they would the right wing vote in these marginals would get split and they would go to and then votes would go to Labour, and so the Tories every time they made a concession they made the concession towards UKIP until finally UKIP basically took them over from the outside psychologically. So Nigel Farage is essentially was able to like. You know, redraw the um, the constitution of the Conservative Party without ever himself having like been a member for that time, and so I think there's a lot to think about for the left as to how do you work in electoral systems. I think what the experience of the last several years has shown us is that takeovers of existing political parties that exist as institutions is probably not the way forward. Uh, and the new parties that come up, either that threaten parties in geographical uh, first-past-the-post or electoral college systems, those seem to be more effective methodologies. I'm not saying anyone should do that or not, labor compliance unit. I'm just saying that seems to be the more effective strategy. Uh, and similarly, in the continent, new political parties that are created specifically to deal with this that don't have the baggage. And when I say baggage, by the way, I'm not just talking about the Blairite war criminals. I'm also talking about the little old ladies who at knit Israel did 9-11 tea cozies. They're also baggage. <laughs> and like we could, and to do something like um, get make a party like Podemos or Syriza or France Insoumise, although France Insoumise has quite a few problems with the latter of those two types of baggage as well, but I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to make a new, a new political party as a tool to like deal with the problems of today, I don't know. If you want, if you, the closest thing we have to laboratory conditions says that's probably the best way forward. But like I said, we'll yeah. see what Kira does. Anyway, I feel like I've talked for like a full hour. So what do you guys think? <laughs> I was just gonna. Well, I was just thinking in the sense of how because uh, I think we've talked about this before on a, on a different episode, with the sense of how it's so much easier for the right to do this within their own parties because the right are so willing to have like a mask off moment of like, oh yeah, this is like actually what we believe. We just needed this like Trump moment, or we needed you know. Um, Greece's example with their new government who's just like appeased like neo-Nazis in order to win them back um, it is genuinely like a thing of, of I do think it comes into the sense of when you do have like a very strongly critique of capitalism that's where then like this thing kind of starts being much harder for them the left to deal with too within these establishment parties because they are yeah. I mean at least for the Democrats not really necessarily like labor's history is different but the Democrats were always solidified around being like you know um somewhat to do, do, yeah like a liberal capitalist but like somewhat social welfare state same thing with like the spd of like the last few years and you know last few decades and whatnot they have they have radical traditions obviously but they're they haven't done that for you know 50 60 years if even longer than that but with the republican party or you know other examples of right-wing parties that we're seeing throughout europe it's just kind of like Oh, you wanted us to get more racist? Like, we'll gladly fucking do that. Like, I genuinely am curious of like how like Merkel's like CDU is going to deal with the right because they've appeased them in certain states, but on a national election level, they've really tried to be like we're the right wing government that then isn't the AFD, and 
That's not going to work in, what, 2021, 2022? When's the next election here, Kieran? I don't fucking know. 2021. Yeah. 2021. So yep. I think that it's like, I don't know. It is just like, genu- it, just, it seems like right now just like a genuinely like left-wing problem of dealing with this. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like well, my, no, my I 100%, I 100% agree with Riley's assessment of things, but it was the exact, I said the exact opposite thing at the beginning of the year. So <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> well, also like one of the reasons you ask yourself why the left deals with, with this and the right doesn't, it's because um, the right doesn't really have to organize in any meaningful way. Because um, if yeah. you, th- much of what, because uh, for example, if you want to start a just, on a very micro example, if you want to have a poli- like a left wing think tank that promulgates, you know, counter cyclical um, like taxation and spending, whatever, even if it's like a social democratic think tank, you need to get there needs to be someone with money who wants to achieve this goal for the reasons of just wanting to achieve it. You know, they have to just say, yes, this seems good. I'll put money behind it. Whereas for someone like the Koch brothers funding a um, like the I don't know Americans for Prosperity or whatever, like you know, giving Charlie Kirk two hundred thousand dollars a year to like go and shit himself in college campuses, like that's an investment for them. Like that is money that gets spent that makes money back. That's a capital investment. It's just it makes money back in the form of like, you know, the ability to dump nuclear waste in uh, elementary schools and thereby save money on 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 your nuclear waste dumping costs, uh, right? So it's like if you ask why this is a left wing problem. And why the right seems to fall into lockstep more easily. It's just that all the incentives are are already exist for them to work together. They don't need yeah. to overcome any any of the incentives of the system they're trying to change, because fundamentally they're trying to change it in ways that, you know, most of the incentives kind of want to change anyway, because they imagine that like competition or racial hierarchy or whatever is natural. And so they just they they just ignore all of the historical processes or willfully or not that make these things sort of seem natural and then they just sort of keep entrenching them further and further and further it's the very definition of swimming with the with the current oh and on that pleasant note i think we probably should deal with some um information that the general public or i don't know our listenership we don't reach the general public uh <laughs> should probably get which is on all these cheery notes um the eu has probably completely fucked itself um into uh, yeah for sure <laughs> um so basically the, the short of this is a bunch of countries that never agree with each other agreed for one time to say we need euro bonds to get through this fucking crisis to get through coronavirus and four countries said no and completely fucked the whole system the whole thing so that's fun Mm. um yeah uh can you uh nick can you explain bonds to us real quick because bonds are money there is no other way to explain it it's like money issued by (laughs) by a central bank that is the easiest way to explain it i mean yeah it's like it's the sense of like you look in the united states of whenever you had like the bailouts and stuff like that that's just the federal reserve buying and selling bonds to yeah put money in in place that then that they can have money to you know invest in whatever saving their fucking idiot company or whatever however in the sense of with the the corona bonds what the the general um, idea was to then it, it becomes like like far more complicated too because you have how many fucking economies that then run on the European on, on the on the euro nineteen yeah like 
all of which were, you know, very much not equal and all who then need different help in different ways. But the idea then was it is that the money was going to be allocated to each country through then these euro bonds or through corona bonds that they were like nicknamed right now. Um, kind of just like as emergency funds to not, you know, continue the death cult of austerity that we are currently, you know, still in at the end of 2008. And uh, four big players, the four biggest players of the Eurozone said, like, nah, we can't do that because they're well, like frugal. Yeah. So big pay- yeah, yeah. The big the big players is actually a bit of a stretch because um, so the, some of the countries that behind the Corona bonds thing included France, which is like one of two big players in the Eurozone. Yeah. But the frugal four were Germany, Netherlands, Austria, and Finland. And the Netherlands were the ones who were like being real messy bitches about this. Yeah, they were the most uh, assholes. They're like, well, if you see this blog I wrote about how you can, you too as a European country can can have a balanced budget. And then like, and then they get dragged on Twitter because it's like, yeah, their parents gave them like $200,000 to start a company. That's the Netherlands. Uh, uh, so it it seems as though uh, a, a lot of the the European Union is basically willing to cast itself into the fire to ensure that the line keeps going up. It, not to, not only itself. It's but not like even that. It's just like to hundreds keep their of thousands, ba- like hundreds of thousands of its own residents as well. Yeah, cool. It is the thing. The thing. Cool I, the thing that I just find. The thing that I just find so fucking funny about it too is like y- European economies' obsession, particularly Germany. And the Netherlands and Austria with just this like holy grail that is the, you know, balanced budget that then shouldn't exist in a modern economy. Like it's so fucking backwards. Yeah. And the fact that Germany has like placed their entire economic ideology on this thing of just like not spending money is one of the most idiotic things of Germany being as wealthy as it is. And the fact Mm -hmm. that then like Germany also then too using that ideology kind of like as this... I don't know, just kind of like this like inception sort of thing of like placing it within like the dream of other countries of like, see, this is how you get out of it is by being like us. It's like no other country in Europe can run a budget like Germany's. It's just physically fucking impossible, especially with how small some of these other economies are. Country's got to have a code, man. (laughs) But even the fucking Netherlands doesn't fucking do it. No, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing that's so fucking dumb about all of it. Yeah. The Dutch GDP is just the like quarterly report for Ikea. (laughs) Like, it's, (laughs) they don't do anything, and it's now gone to the point where basically, now after this whole meeting fucking happened, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Slovakia have also said, yeah, bonds would be a good idea. So it's now these four countries versus everyone else in the Eurozone, except for Cyprus, which they're just not saying anything. (laughs) Because they've all drowned. But in in this case, Germany does represent, like, a real boomer mindset because you have all these other countries. You're like in this monetary union. We should clarify this is just the eurozone, right? So not the European Union, just yeah, people yeah, in the euro. Yeah. Um, and like you have all of these people like just producing like this monetary works for you, like for your country. And then like you have all these like other like economies. I mean, they're all connected, but these other like countries, like their economies are suffering. Like they're like the sad, wrinkly Wojaks in the meme, and Germany's just sitting there in the middle, like. Man, my life is good. I, I have a code. Like they can create this narrative about their own political whatever. Like they think that like they can come up with these rules that we have to follow th- that that they have to follow because everyone else is doing the suffering for them. Like I mean, on an, on an yeah. economic level, well, I, I they think can narrativize and be like, oh, like this is what's going on, and oh, and then we do this, and then all this political theater, you know, that that 
is bullshit. Like they can stick to that because they have other people doing the dirty work for them or system doing the dirty work for them. Honestly, I think the main problem is that the Italians kept buying too many fancy coffees and were not able to save up for a deposit (laughs) on a health system. I didn't know you were a Jan Fleischauer fan too, Riley. I didn't uh, didn't Um, know you were ghostwriting. But like, yeah, like the, the, the fucking Dutch economic system relies exactly on the suffering of like every other european economy because like dutch economic output is just and we get to tax this transaction on people buying a starbucks coffee in bratislava which for bookkeeping purposes is now a neighborhood in amsterdam um that is basically their economic output (laughs) and racism can can we go into the meeting where like they were all on a zoom call and there was a lot of crying and yelling (laughs) at each other yeah, pretty much. No, seriously. Like, uh, what was it? The nether? What was was the was the Dutch um, finance minister? The like, he seemed to be the the biggest bad guy, being like, Whoop, "Stop crying." Whoopke Hoekstra, which is not a real name. <laughs> Whoopke Hoekstra. Um, yeah, he was being a little a little bit of a bitch. He didn't really understand why every country wasn't the Netherlands. Um, to which the like Portuguese kept like yelling at him. Of course, he wouldn't understand. Yeah, every country's a- not the Netherlands. If you look at all of the businesses, they all they're all headquartered there. <laughs> what is what is what is Europe but just a continent-sized version of the Randstad? <laughs> Literally, all the countries yeah. in Southern Europe were like, "Please, like our economies are all about to explode." And he's like, "Hey, thanks so much for reaching out. I'm at capacity right now." <laughs> is there another monetary union you could contact? Uh, they could no, contact actually China, wrote, actually. Yeah, I, I mean. wrote my postgraduate thesis on um, the impossible trinity of the uh, of the European Monetary Union. Which is, wow, which is look at that. It's, well, that's the, uh, as, honestly, I, I tend to bust that out at parties quite a bit. They say, you know, the theory of optimum currency areas uh, has three pillars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's the... Uh, what what I find very interesting about the um the the, the European um the entire I'll let you get back to the meeting in a second but my, my, my here's mm. here's my thoughts of the European uh, 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 monetary <laughs> union and the settlement that preceded it because I rarely get to do this on my show because usually one of the others will just you know say some asinine bullshit and I'll be derailed from whatever it is that I was saying is that Germany and France were the first people to break the rules and they made it so that oh, there yeah. would never be any sanctions for breaking the rules or that they wouldn't be meaningful. And so, like, they, they're very much the engineers of this problem. And just the fact, the fact that, um, that countries in the south of Europe were essentially, like, more or less tricked by, like, a reverse mortgage-type scheme by Germany in the early 1990s and early 2000s after Maastricht to, like, have 15 years of basically, like, a Faustian bargain of 15 years of everyone getting to be unemployed, but also have a jet ski at the same time and and, and trading in for like your country then dies afterward just because Germany is obsessed with line go up is it it means that the the institution is fundamentally rotten and I have, have no idea how it could be, how it could be reformed for a long time during the Brexit debate. I was like, Oh, we probably shouldn't leave because what because we that the in the act of leaving you basically just create a lot of space for right wing right wing forces to remake the country and we aren't actually yeah. in the european like monetary system but fuck me if they wouldn't have found a way to fuck us over in some way at some point 
It's honestly, it is probably, uh, and the unions of the world, I rank the IWW sort of near to the top and the European Union near to the bottom. And you can and record that <laughs> ranking at home if you're playing the Trash Future home game here on Corner Spady. <laughs> uh, I love that we're now an expansion pack of your like, <laughs> universe. Do I hate how much DLC to you, the blob. you have nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the void. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, no, I... I I'm sorry, but as soon as you said jet skis, I was just imagining like German people selling jet skis to like Slovakians, landlocked Slovakia, mountainous <laughs> Slovakia. Well, that's right. basically yeah, sure, cool. the jet ski is a metaphor. Like everyone's like, this is a death cult. And Germany's like, but it's a pretty nice death cult, you gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> Goes fast. You'll feel Come really watch cool. Me jump over this shark. <laughs> Um, yeah, though it's 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 great because like the other the other great thing about the whole like Germany and France constantly breaking the rules is like everyone left of Mussolini in Italy knows this and they all yell about it and then nothing happens. They're just like constantly talking about why can't we deficit spend? France and Germany always deficit spend, and they're just like shrug their shoulders and nothing happens. Well, so I've I've actually been watching a lot of uh, Riley. You made a good point. We're watching a lot of Martin Scorsese movies this week. Um, and this right. is the first rule right. of the mob. If you're the leader of the mob, like, you break the rules first. Like, the, your little underlings who think, like, the main characters in the movie, they think, like, I'm rising, I'm grinding. But then the guys in the smoke-filled room are like, we're fucked, eh, kill them all, turn state witness, like, go to the FBI, we'll be fine. <laughs> that's like, right. That, all of the, are you that's where all the of, power is centered. Are you saying all of the Italians are going to be like Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas and they're all yeah, going exactly. to move to middle America <laughs> and eat egg noodles and ketchup? <laughs> the Italians took their date uh, like into the service entrance of the EU restaurant. Like, I hey, see this pretty nice, huh? <laughs> and they're going to get they're going to end up in a body bag. Uh, yeah, but speaking of how everyone's been fucked, um, our great fearless leader, Slayer of Greeks, uh, Ushi von der Leyen, um basically apologized for how that zoom meeting went um and then did By making a video it. of her like awkwardly washing her hands for way too long <laughs> well all the responses did, uh, the, the the dutch guy said the same thing it was literally like i have yeah. the quote in front of me um um dutch finance minister i don't know how to say his name said tuesday that he should have communicated Uka better and shown more empathy during a meeting with his european colleagues about financial tools to tackle the coronavirus crisis we didn't do it empathetically enough we phrased it in such a way that it led to resistance it was literally like i'm sorry you got mad at me (laughs) yeah it's the sorry your feelings got hurt but on like an inter-institutional level oh god damn it yeah so uh the eu has now suggested that they're going to pump in a hundred billion euros to all of the eu a hundred billion would have been insufficient in italy alone never mind the whole of the wait EU. wait there. oh here comes percentage twitter complaining about everything <laughs> but also it's a loan it's not like a gift they will expect this money back at a certain point with interest god the eu so the 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 fucking ecb in the eurozone and everything is so cool <laughs> like that's not like i, I don't well, know rob can hit a percentage look, twitter and let me know how like Sorry, sorry, I, I ahead, left in yeah, there. Yeah. The European Central yeah, yeah. Bank is not a central bank in any meaningful sense because it yeah. doesn't yeah, yeah, actually yeah. have the ability, like what, even though it, 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 it is constrained by its own constitution, to not have the ability to perform one of the core functions of central banks that are one of the only reasons that central banks exist. So, like, what's it there to do? Just, like, 
take up space in a building in Frankfurt. Like, I don't fund, I, 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 other than just an extension of ideology, I don't really understand, like, how, I, even honestly, how it's managed to stay alive so far, except for the fact that, like, yeah. a lot of people will just do what they're told and try not to die. And then the ECB Wait. is just in the core of making that harder and harder and harder and harder until now we've been hit by a pandemic and it's sort of impossible. You see, Riley, of course you don't understand because, you know, once you become a parent and you have a child that constantly shits the bed at everything they do, then you'll understand what the ECB is there for. Um, it's a make-work scheme for them. It's going to be great. The ECB sounds like if you were, like, making a state in The Sims and they're like, well, we've got to have a bank. Like, I don't know what it does, but I'm just going to call it a bank. <laughs> Put it there. So where my Sims go to work every day. I never <laughs> see it, but, you know. <laughs> they come back with money. It's fine. Um, you remove yeah, all the doors all... though when they're in work and then they all die <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the plan that's why that's the new left-wing plan for the ecb it was like we put the we fill the ecb with potted plants at a fireplace and then remove the door um yeah so then this is all in the backdrop of like a whole bunch of countries stealing shit from each other which has been hilarious um poland keeps stealing like or well, no, okay, to put it into context, Norway has, like, a bunch of, like, sanitizer companies based in Poland, and Poland is just like, no, that's ours now, so there's that. Uh, I think the Czech Republic held on to, like, a bunch of masks that China sent to Italy. Um, the U.S. has tried to steal stuff from, that was destined for France, has successfully stolen stuff that was destined to Germany. Yeah, so that's... That's the backdrop of all of this. The mask stuff is impossible to keep up with. There's a lot of messy drama on the timeline in Europe right now. <laughs> like arguments, like Poland saying, like, at least I raised my kids. Like it is, it's hard to keep up with. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, there you go, guys. That's, um, it really seems like overly technical and weird and very, very bureaucratic. But to be honest, if this fucking crisis doesn't make the EU do like anything in terms of lending out money and helping the members, then it's probably fucked. No, they're not going to do that. Why the fuck would they do that, Kieran? Come on. I know, I know, I know. Why, why do I believe in anything anymore? No. Uh, we were also saying about how um, uh, Josep Borrell, the what is he? He's the he's the foreign minister, but he somehow he's the like foreign minister. I love him so much. But he's like, so dumb. But being the foreign minister, you're like the representative to the individual states somehow. I don't know. He seems to. He, uh, he just seems to be, or, or he's just talking about that. I was confused by no, that. like he he is he is effectively the foreign minister for like every EU country. Um, like sometimes the foreign ministers of other like individual countries will do things, but. If the EU is acting as a single block, then he's the person you send. But he he Mostly just trade deals. He just wrote a, a blog post being like, "Yeah, it's actually really problematic that China and Russia are helping Italy. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything, but it's just problematic. Like, and the media yeah, is like should. seizing onto this narrative. Yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> it's, you it's low key gross. You should just accept that you're gonna die. Uh, you know, as opposed to uh, oh, as as opposed to giving credit to a to a regime we don't like. Cool, thank you. <laughs> How jealous is the EU of like of MAGA and Donald Trump? Just having all these people be like, "Sir, I will die for you to protect this economy." Like the EU's like, "Why can't you guys do that? Come on!" <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's been like it's been legitimately wild talking with my parents about this because they can just twist it whichever way in their head of like, and this is why it's anyone's fault but Donald Trump's. 
I'm just like, wait, what? Like, like you even admitted that then you think that he didn't deal with it like well at the beginning. Well, yeah, but like where we are now, like it doesn't matter. Like Trump is definitely handling handling it well. It's like I'm not here to talk about the past. Yeah, no, and it, it literally like whenever I see these things of like looking at the polls of like how the conservative government in the UK is being perceived now, or how like you know Germany's CDU is like polling right now, and how they're all like really high. It's like. I wish I would like be surprised, but I don't know. Like it's it's so like mind-numbingly stupid all of it that yeah. I just have to accept everyone that everyone's a little piggy. Everyone who's currently in power is getting a boost in the polls. Like this is that's the that's the blanket thing everywhere. Like it like Fine Gael is topping the polls again in Ireland for fuck's sake. Yeah. So there goes that. Ah, but anyway, let now let's now that we're done scoffing down the fucking healthy shit, Rob, lay a, lay a, lay, lay a sweet yarn on us. Yeah, I don't know what to take away from that. Just uh, everything's uh, is is blowing up. So, you know, do what you want. There's possibility again. Just money mightn't be a thing next week. <laughs> Go nuts. Hello, this is Skyler for Vice.com. I'm here in the Black Eaker interviewing famous TikTok star and dominion over all that exists, The Void. The Void, what kind of cheese sandwich would you be? <laughs> Interesting stuff. Now, when you're not too busy controlling all that we do and exist and inhabiting our minds in these deathly times, what do you like to do with your time? Interesting. So you're saying for $5 a month, you could be supporting European political podcast Corner Spady on patreon.com forward slash Corner Spady. <laughs> well, this is Skyler for Vice.com. The void is eating my entrails. Death is coming. Eat trash. Be free. Okay. So for people who don't know, well, all right, I should back this up. There's a lot of, uh, as people know, PC culture. In Europe and people refuse to say like it's obvious where this virus came from and how it spread but people refuse to acknowledge it and they won't say the words you know but finally thanks to Despigo we have a long expose pointing out the people who caused this which is the ski holiday village of Ischgl in Austria this is the basically like it's basically been confirmed uh, it was like rumored for weeks but like it is ground zero for like all of the expansion of um, of coronavirus across Europe. I mean, look, so, it's also ground zero for the best party in the Alps. <laughs> it's ground zero for a lot of things, but you don't hear people talking about that now, do you? Yeah, the, That's the, the name of the club, Ground Zero. <laughs> the PC culture just doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that coronavirus was spread from a, from a steamy makeout session in an Ischgl bar while Atomos Durch die Nacht was playing at like <laughs> ear-splitting volume. Li- the P- Liv's just got to acknowledge this. When will Helen Fisher acknowledge her role in coronavirus? <laughs> um, just keep adding her on it? Twitter. <laughs> it, I'm going to uh, become a Helena okay, Fisher it? reply guy. <laughs> <laughs> she probably has a lot of reply guys. She, oh my her. god, she yeah. has to have a bunch of reply guys. I, uh, I'm gonna check this right now. What does this look like? Okay, but also in the, the in Ishkel, it was a uh, a beer pong game. I think that it, that was noted to be oh. spreading activity. 
like they, I can, like people I can were spitting that. ping pong balls into like um, <laughs> into masses and then drinking them down. I, I, I basically That's it's so like a, good. it's like a, uh, 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 if if I infect if I infect you with this like deadly and virulent disease, then you need to take your top off. They were not using a wash cup when they were playing. Yeah, I love I I love like also the um the uh, uh the very like European nature of this where they're like, Oh, like I learned this game when I went like, you know, study abroad in the US and they play it completely wrong, but in that it spread coronavirus. Yeah, they they got beer pong so wrong that they accidentally like destroyed the European or sorry, uh, <laughs> gave the inciting incident that would destroy the European Union. <laughs> They did what Nigel Farage could never do. <laughs> what I like about Ishko is it really is a snapshot of like there's layers to this. You have like some uh, some Irish guys just going on vacation to Ishko. You have like the local businesses like it's run by like four families the whole town. You just have layers of like, La Familia. Yeah, we know. Yeah, exactly. Rob. Of, mm-hmm. of uh, you know what it means to be European. You know, all getting together. You know, maybe there's like a bartender from Norway. Can I tell you the scary thing? Is that I was when I was skiing earlier this year, um, my friends and I were skiing in Switzerland and we decided that we were going to like like the, the where we usually go is we go between Davos and Klosters and we decided that we wanted to have like like Davos is the Klosters is like old people and families, but it's very nice. Davos is a little yeah, more but they don't have the adrenal still a bit stayed. Um, yeah, Clusters is fully an adrenochrome place, though. It's absolutely oh, is it? an adrenochrome kind of place. Um, but uh, we decided we wanted to go to a place with a bit more of a party atmosphere. So we were like, next year, let's go to Ishkul. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and now it's like, I don't want to go to a ground zero for anything. <laughs> if, you, if, the, if your place has been ground zero for something, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to, full disclosure... Um, this story starts on February 28th, I think. I'm not going to go through all the dates. Um, I was skiing at the same exact time. I haven't skied in 10 years, and I went on a little ski vacation with my partner's family. But we were in Switzerland. Oh, let's Let's say, were you you in Ishka? We Um, we were not in Ishka. It was a quiet, it was a a small town. Really unfortunate. Helena Fisher has not tweeted in months. (laughs) Her last tweet was from... uh, August 2nd, 2019, and it's just that she released a live DVD, uh, sorry, two CD, DVD, and Blu-ray thing of her Helena Fischer Live Die Stadion Tour, Um, and that it also will be on CDF uh, at uh, 8.15 that evening, so everyone just writing in the comments like, endlich geile Mucke. Um, that they really like the yeah. It's very I don't know. It's very boring. Sorry, I was yeah. expecting a lot more from Helena Fisher reply guys. It's well, to be fair, damn. all of the people who would be Helena Fisher reply guys are too busy like forwarding conspiracy theories about five G on WhatsApp. True. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is this but is this is where they come to just like you know chill out and you know hang out with all their Helena Fisher friends. The I mean, thing that I, I love. Also, I'd love I, I'd love to see like a Helena Fisher like two CD DVD set that's just what her doing the Atomlos remix for like three hours. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. That's the thing that I fucking 
That's the thing that I fucking love the about only her. only people to put like a 10-hour YouTube mix onto a DVD. Yeah. That's the thing that I fucking love about her is that then she's only had like a couple of songs that I can actually... I think there's only one. Atomlos is the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. But whenever you're yeah. on the, the U-Bahn in Berlin and they have no celebrities to talk about and like the celebrity news gossip thing, they'll either go to like, Denzel Washington washed his hands. Or they'll talk about how, like, whatever Helena Fisher did yesterday. There's no other... Or, or, or Heidi Klum, of course. But that is it. I, and then I, Helena I Fisher the, is like... I'd say it's, well, there's also the, um, the, the, the gossip rags that's all, that basically is just, like, any excuse to be like, ah, Michaela Schaefer wrote trans rights on her ass. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, guys, I miss Berliner Fenster. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I miss I miss my weekly input of what is Helena Fischer up to this week. And she the thing that's really yeah, the thing that's really funny too is that she's like all she always plays like German award shows and stuff like that. She's always there. And I'm just I'm literally wondering like how many times can you release yeah, remixes of Atemlos before Germany gets tired. Well, uh Obviously, look, if Germany wants to maintain economic growth and keep spending to a minimum, <laughs> they can't afford new songs. They just have to keep working with what they have. And with German know-how, they're actually able to do versions of Atemlos that can, um, that, that can fit any requirement. In fact, yeah. I, I like to think that uh, D- D- Donald Trump going into Bergheim <laughs> asking, what, asking what song's playing, it's Atemlos still. <laughs> it's Atemlos Ischgl remix. Yeah, Atomlos, Atomlos Ischgl remix, Ben Clark re-rub. That's, that's right. Oh, inter, in, in, interesting. Paul, Paula Temple has, has done her take on Atomlos. <laughs> Paula Temple and Mickey Krause combine forces. God. Should I, should I hop into this? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Water's fine. All right. <laughs> the water seems lovely. Okay. This uh, so the title is... <laughs> oh, this, Where are so, you podcasting from? <laughs> the title is A Corona Hotspot in the Alps Spread Virus Across Europe. If you weren't aware already, in Ischgl, guests can ski during the day and then party through the night, drinking Jägermeister and Red Bull. Ischgl has grown into a travel brand to rival Ibiza or Oktoberfest, with millions of tourists pouring into town each year. I'm sorry, I just I just heard that as drinking like Red Bull and Jägermeister separately. Like It took me a while to process that... Der Spiegel doesn't know what Jaeger bombs are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryanair flight FR2412 is sitting on the runway at the airport in Dublin, waiting Damn, to be this sounds like a off. fucking episode of, like, fucking 24 or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just like these characters, you know? I just want to introduce them for us. On board are John like Cormack. How many, how many words in the word count is the airplane code? Jesus Christ. <laughs> On board are John Cormack and four of his friends, all of them excited about their annual mancation. Yes, yes, they wrote mancation in Spiegel. Uh, Kieran, this this one's for you. Cormack is from Cork, and his friends are all from the other towns in southwestern Ireland. (laughs) Fuck this article for calling Cork a town. God damn it. No, no, it says Cork. They said other towns. Don't worry. Oh, wait, hang on. I have to check if this is my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have a, a cousin. There's a photo of him in, in the article, Kieran. Kieran, uh, are, oh, you, re- are you related to a patient zero? <laughs> <laughs> Does that make me patient one? I don't know. Is this patient zero once removed? I can't remember. Yeah, that, that, that's, no, that's exclusive. That, that, makes, that makes you patient zero's uh, cousin. Step patient zero. 
www.pornhub.com. Let's go. <laughs> Let us go. Uh, yeah, so Cormac is 56 years old, has four grown sons. This is his sixth hey, trip no. to Ishgul. They check into their hotel and then head for the Nikistal, one of the bars on Dorfstrasse, Ishgul's party hotspot. Apreshi libations begin flowing here every afternoon at 3 p.m. We head inside. The bar is packed and loud. The DJ is playing Hey, wir wollen die Eisbären sehen by the German band Pudis. That's a great song, though. <laughs> <laughs> hey! It's a good song. Riley's a, a great example for this. Even though the lyrics are in German, Cormac has heard the song so many times that he can sing along. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ischke, he says, is a, quote, honest deal. You know what you're going to get. Um, just, just on that phrase, honest deal, uh, there's a photo, and then there's a photo in the, in the Spiegel article. Uh, it's just people like standing around on snow and there's just beer bottles strewn about and like a big inflatable sex doll in the middle. And the caption is just, Ishko, an honest deal. That's right. But it's just like, it's like, it's like the terrible movie version of this article. When anytime anyone says Ishko is an honest deal, you know what you're getting. Just like the strings swell because the movie's called Patient Zero and you know what the fuck's going to happen. I, I thought it sounded like Jeb Bush, like a Jeb Bush campaign slogan. Jeb, <laughs> an honest deal. I will not spread coronavirus to you. All right. Now we got to get into the mafia, the mafiosos, the big, the big head honchos who run this. Who, you know, mess it up for poor John Cormack. Um, you know, John Cormack, just a small businessman trying to get off the ground. You know, and yeah, and he's he just to, potentially Kieran's cousin, just hanging yeah. out with his buddies, trying to have a good time. Yeah, it fucking pisses me off that the fucking mafiosos have to come and, you know, bully him into, you know, protection money and shit. I hate when that happens, especially in Ishko. First Irish lad on tour versus Chad Austrian mafioso. <laughs> this That's is what right. the EU has done, has done to us, guys. The men who transformed the Alpine farming village into the, quote, Ibiza of the Alps were restaurateurs, ski instructors, and school directors. Down to earth, a bunch of dentists on coke. <laughs> down to earth, devout, and equipped with a nose for making a buck. Uh-huh. So, uh, what what they're describing are the descendants of the Parth, Quartz, Zangel, and Alois family, Alus maybe, and are largely Alois. responsible for the. Oh, thank you for the decisions that shape the town's future. So, the Spiegel, in what I think otherwise is a pretty good article, um, just can't help but saying that there are these four families, and they're just hardworking. They go to church on Sunday and they know how to work hard and make money. One of these, yeah. one of these no, names I, sound really familiar, Rob. I believe, I don't think he's related to Sebastian Quartz. I don't think he's in the Quartz Ishko oh, crime family. Fuck, I, damn I, it. I did look it up. Step uh, crime family. If anyone has any information, uh, send it along. But I, I, I love that this has descended into the like one of two types of European money, which is ski resort European money of come brother, come on the black slope with me. I'm sure you won't die and I will get the inheritance. It's just these families, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they, they all have their own kind of like, uh, it, it's like choosing a, a class in an RPG. They all have their own character in the town. Right. So okay. Gunther Alois, son of the cable car pioneer, Erwin Alois, Owns the luxurious design hotel Madline and the Elizabeth Art Hotel. 
<laughs> no, hang on. I'm sorry. This I literally know this guy. This is the guy who was going around like a month before lockdown happened in Berlin, trying to convince the local government to buy more cable cars for Berlin. Because <laughs> apparently there's a cable car on like every mountain in the world now, and they're looking for new markets. So they're trying cable cars in cities, very flat cities, because you can just build them above the buildings. Yeah, because yeah, if you have enough money, you roof. should be able to get a cable car that goes directly from your house directly to your office, and then you know <laughs> you can you can wreck your commute really easy. And if we just it basically, if everyone works hard enough and saves up enough money, then everyone can get a mm. cable car directly from where they live to wherever it is that they go on a regular basis. And you know yeah. that's like a, what a public transport system looks like when it's functioning properly. No one has to get on trains with each other. It's also compliant with social distancing. I don't know why you <laughs> seem to hate innovation, or maybe you're just so <laughs> married to your uh, trams and streetcars thing, like all you leftists are, just because you watch those, just because you listen to those damn podcasts. Yeah, I'm talking about this, but in the uh, Berlin Senate. <laughs> yeah, I I would like. All right, I want a combination of that also with the um the what was it called the mana uh, drones that deliver me ice cream. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah that would yeah, be all my, you uh, that would be my my utopia. All you plebeians being like, we need we need high density tra- uh, high density transportation in our cities, while uh, you know. The, the elite, like Gunther over here, are taking their private cable car with their Amazon drone, feeding them. He doesn't even have to lift his hands. He just feeds him ice cream while, like, while, while he's just blasting in his headphones like a Nina Kravitz remix of Hey, River on the Ice Band Zian. <laughs> yeah, Germany developed a second song. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. It, it, there just has to be a scandal in Sperbitzik so they can write a third. But... Um, well, <laughs> Thank you. But uh, I, I personally, I think the future of, of German uh, German commuting is a combination of all shopping being done by drone, parentheses, ice cream, uh, and all transport being done by individualized cable cars. Like, a, it's basically a bunch of more luxurious zip lines. This is the neoliberal dream. I, I do want to get into this because this guy does have fine taste. All right, Gunther. Uh, he booked Bob Dylan for a concert once. And also hired Paris Hilton to market his canned Prosecco. When? When did he hire Paris Hilton to market his canned <laughs> I Prosecco? I sadly do not have any more information. What do I put it to YouTube? Uh, I encourage you all to Google this. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it already, but you know those podcasts that like, maybe they're like, yeah, you know, if you want to smoke along with us, just right now is when you should smoke. Uh, right now is when you should uh, smoke that DMT. So you're entering the Stargate as we get into the, the, the later uh, moments in this podcast. Uh, wonderful little saga we have I, I, as soon as you oh, said oh, uh, I found an article about it Paris Hilton was embroiled in controversy in Italy yesterday as she promoted a new canned drink for a company accused of dumbing down Italy's proud winemaking heritage <laughs> the row erupted Austrian out. hillbillies ruining our the, Italy's proud proud tradition uh, uh, it was called it was called rich <laughs> prior no to her arrival <laughs> prior to her arrival the trade organization which protects the prosecco brand overall said it was launching moves to force the company that owns rich to discontinue the sale of its sparkling wine in cans that's so fucking sick i i legitimately yeah, do believe that like austria like although austria is one of like the wealthiest countries in europe they do give off just like hick vibes like that like i know italy poor stupid oh, yeah. fucking you know southern southern europeans you know for whatever reason 
I view them higher on a class than Austrians for whatever reason in terms of just like social class and like uh, culture and whatnot. Austrians are literally like the fucking like Appalachian rednecks of Europe. With, they, there's a reference oh, to that at, later is, actually. Oh, there is? Hell yeah. We'll get into Look at it. That. Yeah. I'm fucking like, I'm already like, you know, you were right. I took a hit of DMT and my brain's already like. I mean, this is so embarrassing because guys, we have to cut the sponsor. Folks, are you sick of going to the Prosecco office? <laughs> ah, Rich, so glad it tastes like on, money. I'm so glad that I could be on the, the um, Mark Marin podcast of Germany. <laughs> um, Rich Prosecco also who are, offers who are two... Who Australian families, huh? Who are Australian Rich, families? Rich Prosecco offers two fruit varieties called Rich Passion oh, no. and Rich Royal. Fuck, that's so awesome. cool. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. The funny thing is, there, there are like lots of good tinned wines out there. Um, but they just tend to be like smaller, uh, younger winemakers who are making like a more interesting product, and they do like it because it's environmentally yeah. friendly and all that. Do shit. things the older winemakers won't do. I mean, you joke, but yeah, like there are some really good <laughs> uh, tin sparkling whites out there. I just don't think this like Austri- Austrian serial entrepreneur and um, COVID a better, I guess, for lack of a better <laughs> word, although unintentionally, I suppose, just by owning the business. Yeah. Uh, I don't think uh, Rich Prosecco that he was making in 2006 using the star of The Simple Life uh, was going to be one of those. I just That's like how they like, have... I like how they have two flavors of Prosecco that are basically old money and new money. Yeah. I really, <laughs> yeah, it really, it really gives off like, like, like that whole thing of like when every rapper tried to start doing... Um, getting into alcohol after P. Diddy started like doing Ciroc. So that you have just like um, boozy badass made like a fucking like flavored wine that's like berry flavored or something like that. <laughs> like it falls under the same category of that. And I really appreciate it for whatever reason. Um, there's yeah, actually one more uh, dumb rich guy thing he does in the next sentence. Uh, a few oh, years ago, he had 400 cows painted with artworks from Warhol and Picasso. A project that didn't flop for a lack of money, but because the paint didn't adhere properly to the animal's hides. <laughs> why Why is Austria everything everyone thinks Austria is? It's just like, yeah, it looks like the front cover of a Milka bar. <laughs> All they have is cows. <laughs> Fuck it, let's paint on the cows That's why a rich person in Austria. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but that's why I think it's funny that there are like, I mean, it's obviously not funny, funny, but like, the like neo-Nazi groups in Austria that are like, we are the Vikings. I'm like, just be like a mafia, an Italian mafioso. Like this, this wh- why are you fronting? You, you're in, you're Austria. <laughs> so uh, oh, in, in the article, they have they cut back and forth to like the impending doom. So like the health minister of Iceland was apparently the first one to identify Ishka because several people returned to Iceland who were sick f- from there, uh, and he's sending messages to Germany and Austria, and they're like, all right, we'll take it into consideration. Um, okay. Ski lifts are the largest contributor to tourism in Paznaun Valley, responsible for around 80 million euros a year, and representatives of established Ishko families are on the supervisory board of Sovreta Zalban AG, which operates the gondola. Werner Kurz, the mayor of Ishko, is one of them. So, again, the Kurz family, sadly not related to Sebastian Kurz, uh, mayor of Ishko. Keeping it in la familia. Many of those, speaking of politics... Many of those who have a say in the Tyrol tourism industry are members of the center-right Austrian People's Party, UVP, to which Chancellor Sebastian Kurz also belongs. A group called the 
Tihoda Adlerhunde, an association of 49 business leaders, makes regular donations to the UVP and expects political favors in return. Kurz met with group representatives as recently as February 18th in the Grand Hotel Europa in Innsbruck for a discreet discussion. Yeah, that's that doesn't sound like ominous at all. The the Tirola hey. Adler Hunde. What that's snake, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's the Ibiza of the Alps, inc- all including like the weird tape where you get conned by like a fake Russian heiress, like <laughs> your secret meeting. But th- this is when they would su- they would zoom into you know the the backroom deals of like all these cigar chomping people eating comically large like uh, hams and like sauerkraut and they're like we run this. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Like if you can't be the Ibiza of the Alps if you don't also include like bizarre and cor- bizarre hedonistic corruption done by fat guys. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's the type of place it is. I don't write the rules. You say yeah. you say you're a hedonistic uh, tourist uh, destination, but your criminals aren't even fat. Like they have to be fatter, like just large, round, old men chomping <laughs> cigars. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's what. No, that's where the European economic recovery is going to come from. Is its legions of large, mm. fat, old men. Yeah, it's like one of those weird EU rules that like feta cheese isn't feta cheese unless it comes from like the feta region of Greece. So it's like, yeah, you're not like a weird tourist hotspot unless you're like criminals or over X. You know, I I really hate the way that you guys are talking about legitimate businessmen. And <laughs> it's really offensive to my family who has a long line of being legitimate businessmen in Europe. So, um, yeah, watch what you say. <laughs> I, w- I love arguing with people on Twitter by pointing out that um, I've been I've, my family has been featured in uh, a very reputable European news source. And what they mean is Kieran's um, Mega Rica series. <laughs> <laughs> also, the other thing, right, is that the, the people that like own the machine politics of these small European towns aren't even actually criminals. It's just that like all the, the or, or not necessarily are, are, are even do anything illegal. They're just like, they just have s- such a grip on power of anything, uh, on everything that they could do whatever they wanted. Just making money, hanging out with their friends, having a good time. Yeah, Sounds like you're jealous. Yeah, it's very cool. Right. It's very cool. So our buddies from court go home. Uh, they, they got a text like, hey, we read on the news that like Ishko's a hotspot. And they're like, everything's fine here. Uh, they go to a hurling match, and then one is feeling sick. Yeah. They all get tested, and they're all positive. Um, they note that uh, it, this is in early March. So, um, yeah, sure. Um, this is in early March. So Norway notes that like they have 1,200 cases. 500 are traced to Austria. Um, Denmark has uh, 262 cases. More than half are from Austria. And everything's still open. Everything is normal. Mm. Um, okay, so now another family we got to get to. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Kitzloch. Oh, well, this is a little description of one of the one of the bars. Kitzloch isn't far from the valley station of the gondola. The shutters on the window are painted red and white, and the interior decoration is rustic. The tomahawk steak costs for two costs eighty nine euros. Like the Kustal, which is some disco, Kitzloch belongs to the hotelier family Tsangrul. Peter Zangrel, I hope I'm saying that right, is the third generation of his family to direct operations at the Silvetta Hotel. Um, and then, yeah, and then it talks about the Jägermeister and Red Bull, known as a Hirsch. Uh, one of their bartenders gets infected with the virus, and it just says the place is disinfected. So they just get some Lysol wipes, wipe it down. Everything is him. good. 
Um, okay, finally, there's a little bit of like worry. Like, it seems like there's a lot of coronavirus coming from Ishku. And there's a, and uh, the owner of the restaurant, Zangro, gets a text. The message mm-hmm. comes from Franz Hull. The UVP politician is a member of parliament in Vienna, the deputy head of the Tyrolean Chamber of Commerce, and a spokesman for the Association of Cable Car Operators. Hull is apparently concerned that the news from Kitzlach could hurt business. A short time later, he sends a second text message to Sangre. The entire country is looking at your bar. If a single camera films operations there, all of Tyrol will look like a hot and taut country, which is, I guess, what they call hillbillies in, in Austria. <laughs> Just like, you're going to blow okay. our cover, man. They're, they're going to see you. We're... Um, I'd like to point out that Hull, who is a member of the UVP in the Austrian parliament, owns a hotel in Ischgl. He doesn't know that his staff are also infected at his hotel. Jesus Christ. Um, that's actually about it. Um, then, as everything blows up, the governor, uh, who's, a, again, an UVP politician, he announces that the ski yeah. areas in Ishka will be shut down, and he says, yeah, we're a bit ahead of the other states. <laughs> I really, I just cool. really like, I really am just, just so surprised about how they've how they've really gone out of their way. Um, well, they actually, they actually haven't gone out of their way, just how, like, Europe just wants to like turn the blind eye to them, and it really it really pisses me off. Actually, <laughs> like I just feel bad for our buddies, our Irish buddies. Like I skip I skip some parts in between, but like people just want to have fun, you know. Maybe like they maybe they weren't even at the richest hotels. Maybe they saved up just because they want to have a little bit of fun for one weekend, and now they're just like just because this cabal of yeah cable car operators, uh, hotel owners, and restaurant owners are like. Well, we can make a few million more euros if we stay open another day. So let's do that. There's some more in there about how, like, the Iceland health minister, like, contacts Austria. And they're like, no, we don't think that's the case. (laughs) And they just ignore him. (laughs) That's business, baby. That's how you get to the top. Uh, And with that lovely understanding of ground zero of fucking coronavirus, um, I'd like to thank Riley for coming on to the show today. I, hey, I'd like to thank you for having me. And also to everyone listening out there, uh, check me out DJing Atomlos next year at Ishkel for 10 <laughs> straight hours. Uh, we'd like to thank Riley's Riley for boiler room the... set. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, we're all going to be standing behind you as colorful characters in your boiler room set that yeah. everyone oh, in the yeah. comments will talk about. Uh, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what's up. I'll constantly whisper into your ear, you'll nod. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Um, I'm very excited for one of you to hand me a drink, and then I'll do like a little half hug, and <laughs> on camera. <laughs> It'll be so cool. Um, of course, that drink will be a can of Rich Seco. Oh, of course, it'll be a can of Rich Seco. I'm be pl- I'm just I'm not even gonna be twisting knobs. I'm just gonna play a ten hour version, a ten hour long YouTube video of Atomlos. We're all gonna be wearing sunglasses. We're all gonna have coughs. Uh, we're all gonna be really fat. We're all gonna own all the businesses around us, and we're all going to keep them open despite dire public health warnings of what will happen if we don't. It's gonna be great. This is the future of the European Union. This is the fourth. Um, this is how we're gonna prop up the impossible trinity of a of an optimum currency area which is by our new version of boiler room yeah phase four right <laughs> like this is this is phase four that all like the people people talk about that's right that's right this is how we're gonna win the era this stupid bullshit <laughs> anyway uh but uh for for real thank you for having me this has been uh too far of a time coming and i am pleased to have finally come on <laughs> We were waiting for you to like actually arrive in Berlin in person. But, yeah. Uh, whoops. Yeah. Th- well. Yeah. I, 
I, I, the last time I was there, I was like just do, like visiting my girlfriend's friends, and so I couldn't be like, I'm off to the outskirts of town to record a podcast for a while. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, anyway, all right. Uh, I I also do do have to run though. So thank you very much. For having yeah. Me. Do you want to? You know I mean, I think people know your podcast, but you want to plug anything quickly? Yeah. I think we said um, you're from Trash Future, but uh, listen to uh, Helen Fisher, uh, Atom Los. Uh, no, we're actually <laughs> we're we're doing a Twitch stream now. Uh, so I'll plug that. Ooh. We're uh, the Twitch is at Twitch TV slash Trash Future Podcast, and we stream on Wednesdays. And uh, Sunday nights at nine British time. We might be adding one more night at some point. Uh, so come hang out with, there with us. Yeah, we've had uh, as as our listeners know, we've had Milo on a couple times. They've kind of complained that we have like a family court situation where we, we only get him one weekend every three months. Uh, if you want to see more <laughs> of him, go on Twitch. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. That's right. That's where you're going to see him. That's where you're going to see us. We're doing all our best content on Twitch now. <laughs> Uh, but no, this on, on the real. Thank you very much, guys, for having me. This is a good time. No problem. And uh, yeah, guys, come back next week when we're talking about how Hungary as a country is fucking falling apart. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we didn't even mention that. <laughs> if only a strong leader could circumvent all that bureaucratic red tape. All right. Thanks, everyone. I've been Kieran. Everyone else has been here. Uh, catch you next week. Later. Peace. Later. Bye.